Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Here's a stat I found surprising. Entrepreneurship rose during the pandemic as people opened businesses at more than twice the rate of pre-pandemic times. That's why we're glad to be joined today by our guest, Brandon Cornuk. He's the Vice President of Strategy and Innovation at Magnet. That's Northeast Ohio's Manufacturing Advocacy Network. He's also an adjunct professor of design and innovation at Case Western Reserve University. Brandon just published a book recently, The Value Proposition Matrix, an innovator's guide to four questions that separate success from failure. In this book, he shares options and approaches to entrepreneurs and establishes established businesses to help them build and launch products that consumers want through a focus on four elements, customer, problem, solution, and teams. Brandon, thanks for being with us today. Dan, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Before we dive into the book, let's talk a little bit about your own journey as an entrepreneur. What, what were you doing? How did you get started? That kind of thing. Sure. My entrepreneurial journey started in business school, actually. I, I showed up and, and was surrounded by a bunch of innovative, exciting people. And, and uh, one of those folks I met, Tim Joyce, was a, was a, a guy full of energy about starting something new. And I, I joined him and we started a company uh, around a problem we saw. We found uh, that body powders at the time were messy. You would dump them on. Folks who were use Gold Bond, for example, would know this problem. It gets all over your bag, your clothes. We said, man, we can, we can do that better. That, that's a category that hasn't been innovated in a long time. And we put it into an aerosol format, uh, worked with some contract manufacturers and some, uh, some suppliers and, and, and launched a product called Dry Goods into the market. And it did well for a while. And then we were outcompeted by a company uh, that makes Gold Bond of ah. all things and, and learned a lot along that journey. And that, that was really the, the starting point for me in terms of creating products, generating value, thinking about problems and markets. Um, and since then, I've, I've spent uh, most of the rest of my career in innovation, um, either building teams that develop innovation or, or, or doing so myself. I always find it interesting that people go to study to become an entrepreneur. I, I think to myself, lots of people say, well, I want, when I want to be a teacher. I want to be a fireman. Do you go to business school thinking I'm going to be an entrepreneur or are you in business school and then, then it happens? You know, look, I, like a lot of folks, I went to business school thinking I was going to be a consultant. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and in 2008, the, the, the whole financial world sort of came to a standstill and we all kind of pivoted and realized there was a lot, lot more to do than the traditional path. And I'll tell you this, uh, for anybody out there who's, who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and also going to school, uh, it is a great place to start a business because you're surrounded by bright people with lots of energy. You're surrounded by professors and administrators who have experience in this space. And guess what? You take all these classes that ask you to think about entrepreneurial problems. That's where you can workshop the idea you're working on. Um, so it actually turns out to be a great place to, to start a business. So you moved from being an entrepreneur to an educator and now an author. What motivated that transition? You know, I, I was really passionate about, as I said, sort of solving problems. But I found that um, as I worked on my own problem, as I talked with colleagues and, and friends who were, were solving or diving into kind of the same entrepreneurial journey, um, they all struggled with this idea of, of defining the value that they were creating at the earliest stages of, of design. They all had these grand visions, but they couldn't distill it quickly and succinctly. And, and worse than that, they had a really hard time understanding what to do next. You know, the, the easy path is, well, let's build a website and get some business cards. But the truth is you've got much bigger things to tackle early on in your journey. Um, at the same time, a bunch of really cool thinking was coming out around this idea of lean innovation. 
people like Eric Ries and Steve Blank and others out of Stanford were thinking about ways to reduce the the steps it takes to understand the most critical assumptions you need to tackle. And that really inspired me uh, to not only take those ideas into corporate practice, but also to help others uh, in, a, in, a, in a consulting capacity um, tackle that journey. And, and through that, I, I got to, to work at Magnet, where I, I since have developed this framework, both at Magnet and at, at, as an as a adjunct professor at, at Case Western, um, where we think about how to help people develop new businesses uh, and do so in really efficient ways. At the core of the value proposition matrix, your book, there are four elements. Tell us about those four elements and why they're at the center of what you talk about and write about. Sure. So, you know, using uh, these these innovation tools, you find lots of different sort of 13 different parts of a business model and what are the nine key components and and all those um as I, I worked on them were, were helpful, but they were, it was just a lot of information. And I worked over time to distill these kind of four components, as you mentioned, the things that you need to know first to understand your value proposition, the, the core value you're offering to a marketplace. Customer is that starting point. Who are you serving? And not just customer, but who's your first customer? If you're starting out, you've got to know who's the earliest adopter. Because the second element is their problem. What problem are you solving for them? They've got to feel that problem in a really important way so that they are motivated to check you out, right? So you've got a customer, you've got their problem. Next, of course, you have your solution. And in in this case, it's a unique solution, hopefully. It's something that brings new value or new way of thinking to a customer's problem. That final element, team, is really a shorthand for all the assets and the people and the resources you need to bring your idea to life. And those four components, a customer, their problem, your solution, and the team to deliver it creates what we call a value proposition. One of the things I know you've warned against is that and in your case, you said when you were an entrepreneur, you saw that there was a problem that needed to be solved, but don't people often run into the problem of creating solutions in search of problems? Boy, do they. Um, you know, there's this old, um, I think we've all heard this this story of 3M coming up with a bunch of weird sticky stuff, putting it on paper and suddenly realizing that they had this sticky stuff that could come off and on to a wall really easily. And they said, well, what do we do with it? And they kind of back into this idea of the post-it note, right? This, this is the classic story of a solution looking for a problem. The truth is though, um, when you start with a solution and you go backwards into a problem, you end up in a whole world of possibilities, and it's really difficult to locate the perfect solution or the perfect problem to fit that initial solution. It's far better, if you can, to identify your customer, get to know them really well, understand their problems deeply, and then tailor a solution to meet those needs. That's definitely the fastest path to efficient innovation. Now, after you finished writing this book, did you think back to when you were an entrepreneur wishing, I wish somebody would have written this book when I was doing this? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Honestly, I, uh, we, we made a, uh, I, I am so proud of what we did, but we made a ton of mistakes just like everybody did, um, and does, uh, but it, it would have helped think through this. And, and I even look back now and, and have, can pretty clearly see the, the steps I would have taken had I had this, this tool to help me. What were some of the mistakes you made back then? You know, one of the, one of the most important things was, um, can we, can we deliver the solution? All right. So, so one, one thing that's, that's, uh, that I find interesting is, is when you go into a product journey, what you really need to understand is the whole value chain 
uh, beyond where you started, right? All the way up into, into retail. And, and for our product, which was really a brand that needed to be put on a retail shelf that consumers need to, 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 uh, to kind of come across and understand almost immediately on a retail shelf, um, what it was trying to, to do and what it was trying to solve, right? Gold bond dump on powders are messy. Try this aerosol spray. It'll solve the problem that you, that you see in this product sitting next to us. Well, it turns out retail was full of folks that assorted body powders in all sorts of places. Is it a foot powder? Do they put it in the underarm deodorant? Do they, and every buyer had a different perspective. So we didn't have those retail relationships. We didn't have the brand name that would instantly cue what this product was doing. Dry goods, what does it do? Who knew? But when Gold Bond, owned by Chatham at the time, and I still believe it is, came out with Gold Bond and an aerosol spray, and by the way, Body Powder hadn't innovated its, its, its packaging in 100 years. And six months after we launched, they, or 12 months, they, they, they had an aerosol spray, right? So it was very clearly a, a fast follower strategy uh, and good for them. Um, it was very clear where to put it because you'd set it right next to the gold bond bottle wherever it went. And it was very clear who you'd call because you already had the re relationship with the buyer. So the, this question of why you and what puts you in a position to succeed and how you are going to bring your value to the market was key for us. There are several other assumptions that, that you can find in, in, the, in the value prop, proposition matrix that I can tell you about. But that's a, that's a key one that we, I think, really, we learned a lot from. How did you feel, though, when you saw that Gold Bond had basically adopted your idea? I mean, it might have been flattering on one hand, but on the other hand, you're... <laughs> you know, yeah, there are, uh, there are no moral victories in entrepreneurship. Uh, that is, tr that, but I can tell you that um, that we we changed a category. You can go and find uh, aerosol body powder on any retail shelf around the country, and that's really exciting. I, I, the truth is, we found a true and a true niche, a thing that the, the the market really needed, and that's really validating. Um, of course, when you get out competed by someone with with more resources and and the better brand, you, you really wish it, it would have gone differently. And we could have made we could have certainly taken some steps to make that happen. I think. Um, but either way, um, it was a, it's, it's the start of a journey. And I think every entrepreneur out there needs to understand that that's, that's part of the process is, is to learn and to be kind of beaten back from the market and come back and yeah, but what did I learn? And that's the question. Yeah, but what did I learn? And, and it's, that's really at the heart of the value proposition matrix is, okay, yeah, but what did you learn? Uh, and, and we learned a lot and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really made a difference in, in my career. And, and, and I'm really excited about where, 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 uh, where I'm headed. Brandon Kornick is our guest. He is the Vice President of Strategy and Innovation at Magnet, Northeast Ohio's Manufacturing Advocacy Network. He's also an adjunct professor of design and innovation at Case Western Reserve University. We are talking about his new book, The Value Proposition Matrix, an innovator's guide to four questions that separate success from failure. You mentioned 3M and coming up with the post-it note. What company locally or nationally has really hit it out of the park with building and launching a product that comes to, your, comes to mind right away? You know, um, there's a company that we've worked with at Magnet that, that also came out of case. So I'll, so I'll, I'll plug both of those, those institutions and, and say that um, these uh, two, two, two brothers, uh, two engineers um, saw a problem in the market around welding. Turns out there are 50,000 open welding jobs in the United States. Uh, it is a skill that is very, very hard to train and to find um, and to hire for. They're expensive. Well, these two brothers said, you know what, we our, our dad is, is a welder. He has, has an understanding. We understand robotics. What if we taught a robot how to teach itself how to weld, 
Uh, and and it turns out they were able to do that. Uh, they they created a company called Path Robotics. They were for a time uh, a tenant in, in Magnus Building and, and engaged with us. They they've then since uh, since raised, um, I believe their last raise was over a hundred million dollars, right? And, and they have they have a massive market. If you do the if you do the math on that, fifty thousand open welding jobs times the salary of of a welder just to fill that with the, and, and we're not talking about taking welding jobs. We're talking about filling the ones that people can't fill. Um, that is a wonderful example of a burning problem to solve a really key problem, having all of the components that you need in terms of your team, right? I mentioned that their dad was a welder and they had, they had, uh, they had robotics experience, um, as well as understanding that they had a unique solution that could solve that problem. Um, and and a path at this point to to sales. Uh, those those are really the the four components. I can go over with them with you again, but they had all those those assumptions kind of nailed down right away as they thought about their value proposition, and uh, and it was pretty clear that they uh, that they have a path to to uh, success, if you will. We've mentioned Magnet several times, and I'm going to guess that 98 percent of the listeners to the landscape know what Magnet is, but just for those two percent who don't, remind us what Magnet does. Sure, absolutely. So. Magnet is Northeast Ohio's manufacturing advocacy group. What they do is help manufacturers, small, medium, sometimes startups, uh, thrive and grow. And they've been doing that for 30 years. They, they have consulting practice. We have a consulting practice who's, uh, we have on-site engineers, on-staff engineers, on-site engineers. We also have a, a network of third-party providers to solve all sorts of transformational problems for clients. Um, we also help, as I've as I've been talking about, help clients think through innovation problems, and we have a whole workforce side of of what we do to help um, train and develop and find the talent necessary to feed uh, the manufacturing ecosystem here in Northeast Ohio. And what's the state of it these days? Would you say the manufacturing ecosystem? The state of the ecosystem is they got to find people as fast as they can and get them trained as fast as they can. And they have got to embrace technology as fast as they can because uh, there is a ton of demand and a ton of growth. Obviously, the supply chain issues and the pandemic have have roiled a lot of the traditional sort of manufacturing base here, but it's really actually spurred them to, to embrace new ways of thinking. So it's a really exciting time to be a manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. It's a really exciting place to be here in Northeast Ohio. There's a lot of really cool convergence. It's not just old traditional manufacturing. This is uh, a lot of high tech stuff. We we engage with um, our our hospital systems and our healthcare tech all the time. Uh, there's entrepreneurs engaging all the time. We're developing new uh, new funds to support seed manufacturers. It's it's a really cool place to be. It's a really fun time for manufacturing here in uh, our region. What's the most difficult part for manufacturers though in terms of adopting and getting into new things? I mean, is it the question of cost? Is it? I'm sometimes you say, well, we've always done it this way, but that, I don't think that's as much. Is it, it's just hard to invest in stuff sometimes. And it is hard to invest in stuff. <laughs> and, and why is it hard? Because there's a lot of unknowns, right? I mean, there's just a lot of unknowns. When you know that you have, you feed uh, $10 into your system and it spits out $11 pretty consistently over the last X amount of years, it's really hard to say, you know what? Let's take a whole bunch more money, invest in something that could or could not work, and uh, and and move past this kind of momentum that that we've that we've embraced. It's it's hard to do, you know. In, that's that's part of part of innovation, and I think that's that's part of what we're trying to do at, at Magnet, and it's part of what I'm trying to do through my book is is lower the the barriers to entry, to to lower the risk profile, to make assumptions 
be more in the forefront and to address the critical ones early so that you can basically learn as the most important things you need to know, spending the least amount of time and money doing it. And you can do that, whether it means adopting new technologies as a manufacturer or trying out new spaces to sell your products or creating entirely new business models from within your existing uh, organization. You mentioned some of the mistakes you made as an entrepreneur. Is there a particular mistake that tends to happen to young entrepreneurs that right out of the box that they get, they get wrong? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I often say that if I could give entrepreneurs one thing, it's really great problems to solve. I think entrepreneurs often are, they are, and we all are really held prisoner by our own experiences are, are what we see is all there is in, in, in many cases. And, and that is in fact, not true. So, so we see problems. We think that, that those problems are burning problems for others. We are absolutely confident of it. Turns out we go and talk to our spouse or our, our, our sibling or our, our, our mom and dad. And we say, Hey, what do you think about this problem? They say, Oh, great. That's a huge problem. Yeah, go get it. And then you think, Oh, the whole world has this problem. Let's go out there and, and, and make a solution for it. And you kind of get get bound uh, by that assumption. The truth is the problems folks are working on are not always burning problems. And when you go out into the market, um, you know, I, it, Y Combinator, which is a, which is a huge accelerator um, out in, out in Silicon Valley has found that over 50% of startups fail simply because there's no market need. That means there was no burning problem. Um, so that's really one of the assumptions that I want to, I want to help people tackle is, is really get at, at, at that to understand uh, whether you're, you're addressing a burning need. Who is the target audience for your book? Obviously entrepreneurs, but is it being used in classrooms or is it just a general audience? Who's reading it? Absolutely. So, uh, so obviously I have, um, I have audience of, of students and of clients who, who have asked for this content for a long time. And I've kind of finally been able to, to put it together. Um, anyone out there who is doing innovation consulting, innovation work uh, in, in a space around helping others define their value, it's, it's really for them too. Um, if you're out there trying to create something new in the world, new value, even if it's not a product, if it, it could be a service or it could be a, a nonprofit or an institution, uh, it could be something that's, that's aimed at uh, any number of, of non-traditional folks, you are, you are creating value with the work that, that you're doing. It's for those folks, that early stage seed idea that is starting to come to life. Uh, I think you could find, anybody in that space could find a lot of value in the book. Brandon, thanks for sharing the story of your book and your interest in entrepreneurship. It's, it sounds like it's a great time for entrepreneurs, so it's good to have this book. Dan, thanks so much for having me. Brandon Kernick is the Vice President of Strategy and Innovation at Magnet, Northeast Ohio's Manufacturing Advocacy Network. He's also an adjunct professor of design and innovation at Case. Just published the book, The Value Proposition Matrix, an innovator's guide to four questions that separate success from failure. We're glad Brandon could join us for the landscape. We're glad you could join us too. I'm Dan Paletta. We'll talk again soon. Oh, 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 oh,